Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I can give you a little bit of a history lesson and, and talk to you for a minute. And... Stay with me because I'm going somewhere. But when the children of Israel were going through, were left out of Egypt, they were going through a desert, you know all that stuff. But as they were going, they, there's something called the tabernacle of Moses. It was the tabernacle. And inside the tabernacle, there was different pieces of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses. Now, You've got furniture at your house, and you're thinking there's nothing spiritual about furniture. But this furniture all stood for something and was symbolic of something that was a very spiritual thing. And, 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 and in theology, we have something in the Old Testament that we, we, we call it types and shadows that are types and shadows in the New Testament. And so everything means something means something. So here's some of the furniture that was in the tabernacle. We, are, we should do a series on this someday because it'll open this up to you. But um, are, are y'all hot? I'm seeing a bunch of waivers. Dina, or, or somebody, turn this one on right here. I don't, you got to turn the whole system on. This building is really hard for us to get right because um, concrete walls and all that good stuff. But there is coming a day. I think that song's about heaven, but uh, anyways. So the different pieces of furniture in the house, and one of those pieces of furniture is the brazen altar. The brazen altar. And I'm not going to preach about all these, but I just want to let you know. The brazen altar. And then they have... The bronze laver. So you can probably understand what that stands for. It's a place where the priests would wash themselves. It has a New Testament concept of the washing or baptism. Then you have the table of showbread. All of these mean things in the tabernacle. You have a lampstand. The lampstand, and it had seven flames on it. it. Symbolized God's spirit at work. It symbolized symbolized God's word. You wouldn't know. You would say... He lights the lamp. His lamp is a light to our feet. That's God's Word. You've got the golden altar of incense. And this has a unique thing going on. It's ignited by God's fire. God's the one that, boom, lights the fire on that bad boy. And it represents the praises and the worship of God's people. It also represents the pleasure that the praises of God, that we, that we bring to God and how He enjoys our praise. But that's, all of those are just pieces of furniture, but I wanted to lay that groundwork to go to where I'm going today, and that is behind the veil, there is the veil in this tabernacle, and behind that veil is a holy place, a holy place. In fact, we often call it the holies of holies. And within this most holy place is another piece of furniture, and this piece of furniture is called the Ark of the... Ah, y'all know. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And this represents the presence 
of God. Remember that now. It represents the presence of God. So when they came around this ark and what it represents, they were in his presence, the presence of God. Now, I did not know this. This was a very revelatory thing that I'm about to tell you, and it's what I built this message around that I think the Lord wants to speak into your life today. But I did not know this. I went to Bible college, seminary, all that kind of stuff. I did not know what I'm about to tell you, that, but I, I discovered this. And when I discovered this, it, it, it birthed this message, and, and that is this. There's another name for the Ark of the Covenant. I've always heard it, the Ark of the Covenant. But the other name, and it makes complete sense, it's called the Ark of the Testimony. The Ark of the Testimony. And I ask you the question today, what's in your testimony? What's in your testimony? The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden chest or box. It was inlaid and outlaid with gold. And then on top of the Ark was a plate of gold that was called the mercy seat. You've heard about that. And then on either end of the mercy seat was two golden statues of golden angels. And for many reasons, the Ark of the Covenant is the most important piece of furniture in all of the tabernacle. There's many reasons for that. But it's the only item of the tabernacle furniture that's going to be in heaven. Did you know that? It's the only piece of furniture. So obviously there is great importance to this Ark of Covenant, or I'm going to say slash testimony, that it was chosen by God to be in heaven. In fact, let me prove that to you. Revelation 11:19 says this. It says, then in heaven the temple of God was opened and the Ark of His Covenant could be seen inside the temple. We're going to get to see that thing one day. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of Testimony, there is three different items. There's only three items inside the Ark of Testimony. And each of these items I am going to recommend to you today as your pastor to make sure that you have inside of your testimony. Make sure that they are part of the makeup of your life and the makeup of your living for God and the makeup of your testimony. Make sure. And you may ask today, why do I even need a testimony? What's the big deal about having a testimony? We've always heard about this around church. We had, what's your testimony? What's, your te what's the big deal about a testimony? Listen closely. Your testimony is vital to keep you anchored to his presence. You need a testimony of what God's done for you to keep you anchored to the presence of God. Number two, your testimony helps you remember the faithfulness of God and how good God's been in your life. It just helps you remember, man, Woo, every time I speak my testimony, I remember the faithfulness of God. Amen? Yeah. 
The next is your testimony when shared helps draw other unbelievers. Other unbelievers don't come to God based on the fact of how cool the church is. Although that may, that may last for a few weekends or, man, that we, 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 we're creative and we do some neat things and, 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 and things out of the box. and that, that lasts. That helps snag people initially. But really the fact of the matter is, is what has God done for you? And when you begin to tell what God has done for you in your life, that's your testimony. And other unbelievers say, man, I want that to happen in my life. It draws unbelievers. Your testimony keeps you thankful for where you are at in God and where you have come from. I once was lost in sin, but now Jesus has turned my life around and it has become my testimony. And I tell the world about it and I'm excited about it. Look where I have come from. That is your testimony. Turn around to somebody right now and say, I need a testimony. <laughs> got, to, got, got to have a testimony. But I don't need just any old testimony. I don't need just any old testimony. I want a miraculous testimony. I want something miraculous that when I speak it, I know that only God could have made this testimony. Each of these three items were a result of the miraculous actions of God. Inside this ark of the testimony, inside this testimony of the goodness of God, are three, three pieces, three things that stood for the miraculous power of God in the Israelites' life. And not only that, every time they spoke of these three things, they remembered the love expression that God extended to them when he worked through the miraculous act that they put this piece as a memory for. Now let me tell you what those are. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 4 said, Inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna, Everybody say manna. Yeah. Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves. Everybody say staff. Yeah. And the stone tablets of the covenant. That's the Ten Commandments. Everybody say tablets. Three things. Now God had just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. 400 years of oppression. Slavery brought them out. Now... They came out, and one of the first places they came to was the Red Sea. Y'all remember that story? They came to the Red Sea, you know, stretched forth, boom, this massive, you know, this water just splits, and they walk across on dry ground. That's pretty big stuff, y'all. I mean, I mean, we're like, we tried it in our bathtub, and it don't even work. <laughs> this is big stuff. And, 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 the, and the water just splits, and the children of Israel, they're standing on this side going, oh, God. They're whining, oh, God, he's going to kill it. We're going to die in the desert. And boom, the, 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 it splits, and they walk across on dry ground. Check this out. They get to the other side and turn around. Oh, they're going to come across. God closes, closes, and all of their enemies are destroyed. People, I got to tell you, that's pretty big stuff. I, I feel like I could have me a praise break for a little while from that. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like God came through. In fact, they got on the other, they got on the other side. Miriam picked up the tambourine. Oh God, this is not to try to get y'all to start doing tambourines. But Miriam picked up a tambourine. Uh, that was for Scott's sake. He's saying, no, not today, Lord, please. But 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 look. Miriam picked up a tambourine and began to shout and praise God and worship God. He came through. The Lord came through. Oh, yes, he did. You'd think you'd have a praise break for a little while. It didn't last very long. It didn't last very long at all. And so they got to the next spot and they're murmuring and complaining and whining and fussing. And, 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 and let me speak about murmuring just a little bit. And I, I've got to anchor this thought with this. The people began to murmur. I mean, they, they forgot about what God had just done. And they began to murmur. And let me anchor this in your spirit. Murmuring is always an indication of a lack of trust. That's very big for you. If you think back through that in your life, when you've murmured or you've heard other people murmur, it was always a lack of trust. If it's murmuring against leadership, what's it, what is it? You, you don't completely trust leadership. It could be anything in your life, all right? But you, you murmur, you complain. It's a lack of trust in that. And you need to remember that. And the opposite of murmuring is praise. And so you can't, you're not going to praise God and murmur at the same time. Because you can't praise a God that you don't trust. And so what happens is you lose the joy in the journey of living for God. You forgot what he did for you yesterday. And you start murmuring that you don't trust him in the moment. And your praise dies out. The children of Israel forgot their testimony. That's what happened. They forgot where God had brought them from. And in the process of forgetting of where God brought them from, when you forget your testimony, you start murmuring and you lose your praise. Please put that on screen because I want them to take a picture of that. When you forget your testimony, you start murmuring and lose your praise. Don't let the devil steal your praise because you forgot your testimony. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The cause of their complaining in this case was a declining food supply. And so they were literally running out of food. Now watch this. They thought it was that God didn't know where they were at. Right. These are his people. He knows where they're at. It's all a test, don't you see? It's a test. And the test is, do you trust me or not? Do you trust me or not? And boy, they start complaining and murmuring. So we know they failed the test. Their praise was shut off. They were no more excited about this God. Now they're whining and complaining to Mo and Aaron saying, Listen, Mo, you brought us out here. You got us out here. Now we're going to die in the desert. It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt in slave bondage and getting our backs beat and getting whooped to death. You see, they forgot. 
They forgot their testimony. And when you forget your... Folks, I've been preaching the gospel since I was 18 or 19 years old. Do you understand how many people I have watched forget their testimony? And in the process of losing their testimony, they begin to murmur and complain and why? And they no longer trust in God and their praise is stripped away and they lose the awe and wonder of His majesty. And so... God said, all right, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to shut you up. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do something for you. And God sent them something called manna. Manna was simply, what is it? In other words, they walked outside the door. They knew it was coming. Moses told them, tomorrow morning, this is how you're going to do it. And they walked out, and sure enough, there was manna all the ground. In other words, they walked out. Manna means what is it? They walked out and said, what is it? And, and the Bible kind of talks about what it looks like a little bit. And it says the Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed and it tastes like honey wafers. They, they walked out and saw, they saw little honey biscuits and, and uh, honey wafers out on the ground. And they're like, I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. And they walked up and, and, and then there was specifics on how to handle this manna, this what is it? So this is what they're to do. Here comes the test. Every day, I want you to walk out, and I want you to pick up enough for that day. There's a reason for that. I want you to pick up, up enough for that day because I want you to trust me that I have to come through for you every day. You hear it? He's trying to rebuild their trust in God. And so... They walk out for the first time. Guess what they did? People. I know it's not us. Those crazy Israelites. <laughs> right. And they walk out. And this is what they do. They get their jars. And some of them says, man, I don't know. We ain't had food a long time. We better get enough for Tuesday also. They bring it back in the house. God gets, oh, like, oh, my, they failed. They, they didn't believe me again. And what happened? Worms got in the maggot. Maggots got in there. Worms got in there. And they lost what they were trying to retain for tomorrow. When you, when you try to hold on what's outside the will of God, there always ends up being worms in it. That's good stuff right there. But he, they got back to the full point where they, they just got enough for that day. And they bring it in. But there was only one day. It was, the, it was that sixth day. You could gather enough manna and, and, and to have enough for Sabbath also. Because on Sabbath they couldn't work and manna wasn't being brought on, on that day. And so I got enough on the sixth day to put in my house. And miraculously, this manna didn't get worms in it. It was good for the Sabbath because it was part of being obedient to God. And everything was good and wonderful. And the whole fact of the matter is, is how many of you know you have to rely on God every single day? That is what he's trying to teach the church. That every single day I'm trying to get you to understand something. It is a big deal to me that you rely on me. You rely on my goodness and my grace and my ability to provide for you and take care of you. I want that to be in your And that's why Jesus said, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, 
Pray, 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 pray this prayer. This is a prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God, give me enough, not for next week, not 10 days from now. I need enough that will get me through today. I, I just need enough. I need you to give me enough strength in my mind to get through the day. Enough strength in my body to get through the day. I need you to get enough strength. I need you to help me with all this stress, Lord. Get me strong enough to get me through the day. And that's the way Jesus taught us to pray. And so we've got to understand that every day, I, I know we're in a very American uh, culture where we, we've just, we've just we don't, we're, most of us are not looking for our next meal. For the most part, most of you know where you're going to eat today. In fact, you're kind of hoping I hurry up and get through so you can beat the Baptist. Because you know where you're going you know what you want to eat, and you're saying, dear Lord, just deliver us out of Egypt and let us get to Luby's, you know? <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I am very concerned about the fact that the American Christian church has totally lost, or we think that we have lost, our need for God on a daily basis. And I can tell it because of our attendance and our, and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not condescending or beating you up. I'm just being honest with you. The American church is all over the place. The average is that even Christian people come to church like once every four weeks, maybe twice every four weeks. We don't really think we need God anymore. We kind of play with God. And, and I just need Him when I, you know. And, 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 and so we get to the place that I don't really rely on God. You know why? I do not have a pot of manna in my testimony. I don't have a moment, or maybe I do have a moment, but I have forgotten when God came through for me miraculously and provided for me and supplied for me. Adina and I had, had uh, just bought our first home, and our payment had just came through. This was like our second month to pay our note. We were in our young 20s and, and we're trying to, you know, all those days. And, 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 and our payment came in the mail. And about that time, I had some job situation going on. And I'm going to tell you what, we bought the house based on that job. Now I don't have that job. And it wasn't my fault, honestly. And, and I don't have that job. And Adina and I are going, Oh, dear Jesus. And I'll never forget, I walked to the mailbox, and I know you heard about these kind of things before. I walked to the mailbox, opened the mailbox, and God gave me enough money to supply and pay for my, my bill that month. That's manna. That's a pot of manna in my testimony. And so now every time I come up against an issue, I come up against a struggle where I don't have the funds or I don't have the means or I don't have this or that or I don't have enough strength in my mind to get me through the moment. I, whatever, God, give me my daily bread. Give me enough today to give me the manna that I need for this moment. You know why? I know he can do it because I go back to my ark of testimony and I say, God, from this point, you've done it before. You can do it again. You've healed me before. You can heal me again. But sometimes we don't go back to the ark of testimony because we haven't put that in our ark. We haven't put that in our testimony. And so we discount the things of God. God's been so stinking good to everyone in this room. It's unbelievable. Can I get a witness? He's been good to you. He supplied. 
He's supplied. He's been mighty, mighty good to you. But sometimes we don't count our blessings. And we don't put the manna in the ark. We're sitting out there cramming down the manna. And before long, a few days from there, we're going, Oh, God, I don't know if you're going to come through. I don't know if I trust you anymore. And he's going, Dear goodness, why didn't you put the last miracle I've got in your testimony bank that every time you got to a tough moment, you could run back to the holies of holies and understand something. God, you did it once. You can do it again. You can bring me. Somebody give our Lord a shout of praise. 1632 of Exodus says, Then Moses says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. I want, I want your kids to know. I want your kids. I want people, generations to know how I came through for you. That's what got you in the last mess. I blessed you at, at the Red Sea, and you don't have anything to mark it. So from now on, I'm going to give you a marker that you can always go back to, throw your hands in the air, and have praise instead of discounting through the power of murmuring. And then later generation, put, put container with a manna to preserve it for your descendants, and then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Put it in the ark. I'm going to keep it in the ark. It's not going to get worms in it. Your testimony's not going to get worms in it if you got miraculous manna in it. There was manna in the ark. If God has done it before... He can do it again. God can heal again. I'm going to speak that to somebody in the name of Jesus today. If he's healed you before, he can heal you again. He can set you free again. He can be a provider. For I need to tell somebody that he can provide for you again. But what you need to do, you need to go back. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and look him right in the eye and say, do you have a pot of manna in your testimony? Can you remember a time when God miraculously provided for you? I want you to put the manna in the ark so that you remember that I provided for you in the desert. I provided, listen to this, when there was no rain and no sowing and no reaping, I, you really didn't have anything to do with it, but I just fed you with bread. Put the manna in the ark so you remember that when you run out, I step in. I'm always a provider. I'm not going to fail you. I want you to trust me with this deal. Now, I want to ask you a question today. And I want you to st stand in just a second based on this question. I don't want you to stand because of peer pressure. I don't want you to stand because everybody else is standing. None of that junk. And we're not going to think less of you. But I want you to stand if you absolutely have a moment in your history of your life that had it not been for God... You don't know where you, you absolutely, absolutely know that God provided. I don't care. It can be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But you absolutely know that God came through for you in that moment. If you have one of the moments, stand to your feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. It's not time to look at me. I can't do anything for you. I want you to throw both hands up in the air, and I want you to worship and praise God at the point of the manna in your testimony. Come on, go loud. Go proud with it. Be, be excited about it. Be thankful for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just, just marinate in that. In that. Come on, just marinate right there. God, 
Thank you. Just tell him. Tell him about the moment. It's okay. Tell him, you know what you're going to feel? You're about to feel the presence of the God. You're about to reveal the presence of God because in your testimony, when you step into that testimony, it represents where God lives. He says, I'm right here. I'll show up. I've showed up for you before, and you're going to feel me again. But I need you to praise me at the point of what I did for you and you yesterday. Come on, somebody shout with the voice of triumph of his grace and blessings and goodness he's provided. Tell him about it. Come on, tell him about it. Make your praise known. Make your praise known. Make your praise known. Come on, shout to the Lord. He came through when nobody else did. Make sure you put that manna in the ark. Make sure you've got a miraculous provider you can go back to. And if you don't have that in your heart today, we're not beating you up for it. But you need to start praying every moment. God, give me a miracle that I know that I can go back to, that I don't ever think again that you can't come through. But I can trust you on this mountain. I can trust you in this valley. And know, God, you've got everything. You've got everything. And everything's going to be all right. You may be seated. The next thing that was in the ark is Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod. It's in the ark. Now, if you haven't heard this story, it's crazy cool. You ready? I, don't, I guarantee you probably hadn't heard the story. It's, 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 it's crazy. So what happened? Again, we're back to murmuring and complaining. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. We're just people. We just do it. And they were whining and complaining. I don't really like Aaron and Moses being over the people. I think we ought to have just as much say-so. And, 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 and we're mad about it. And all the other tribes are mad about it. We don't think you really got anything. And God said, uh-huh, I'm going to show you. So they got this murmuring and complaining. So that's what they do. God says, this is, what I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go get 12 sticks, 12 rods, just, just dead old sticks. And what I want you to do is I want you to, the, the, the leader of the tribe, I want you to inscribe with a wood-burning kit, just kidding, I want you to inscribe your name on the dry stick. And so Aaron and the, all the other tribe, tribe leaders did exactly that. Aaron wrote Aaron on his stick. Read the Bible. It says that. He wrote Aaron on his stick. And they sat up there, and they've got 12 tribes, and there's a bunch of dead sticks. And he says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you through this who should be leading the people. So the next morning, he said, I'm going to shut this murmuring complaint. He said, you don't trust God. There's always a lack of trust when there's murmuring. And so they all, they come in the next morning and they look over and would you know it, all the other sticks still look dead, dry, and done with but Aaron's stick, check this out. It has a bud on it. And the bud turns into a blossom. And they're going. And the blossom opens up. And on this side, an almond pops out. Boop. Now, folks, that's pretty cool. This was before Disney. <laughs> and an almond pops out. And almonds start dropping on the ground. Now, if you knew that, you might not have known this. On the other side of the sticks, there's two sides. The other side of the stick, there's equally almonds pop up. Y'all like my little boop? Almonds pop up, 
And this almond over here is bitter. And this almond over here is sweet. And God said, this is my man. This is my tribe. This is the priesthood. These are the ones you should follow. And then he says this. If you murmur and complain about it, you're going to eat of the bitter side on the bitter side of the almond. If you praise, if you believe, if you follow, you're going to eat of the sweet almond on this side. So basically, whether you trust what I'm saying or not depends on what side of the branch you're going to eat from, which is all symbolic of this. First of all, it stands for a moment when Aaron and the children of Israel knew this was God's chosen man. I'm laying my hand on him. I'm choosing this man. The second thing, it stands for how God can bring dead things back to life again in your life. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in that right there. How do I know that God can bring dead things back to life? I'll tell you how. Because he brought me back to life. And when he brought me back to life, it is now my it's my testimony. My testimony is how he brought me back to life. You want to change somebody's life? Don't get in a discussion on this. My church bearing your church. And we get to fussing and complaining. By the time we get through, nobody, everybody's mad. We've tried that for generations. When I was growing up, they used to come in together and have debates. People on different sides of religion come in and have debate. I remember going to them when I was a kid, and they had debate. Everybody, everybody mad. The, everybody walked out thought they was thought they won, and they kind of had a snarl on their face. And 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 everybody, everybody was murmuring, murmuring and complaining, and nobody was praising. I never felt the presence of God in that environment. Maybe there were some out there. I didn't go experience it. The presence of God in it because we were in a fight. We're just in a fight. Everybody's fighting. But when dead things start coming back to life, when you have that moment in your life where I once was lost, but now I'm found, that moment in your life when you walked in the parkway, and something happened in the inside of you that you didn't even know was possible. That you started feeling some energy in that spot. The family started feeling some energy. Your kids started feeling some energy. Something started moving and operating up in your life. And you've got a moment. Maybe it's not today. That Maybe that's not where you're at today. That's why you've got an arc of testimony. I want you to run back to that moment. Maybe it was 5, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years ago. But you go back to that moment and said, God, I want to go back. Instead of not trusting you for where I'm at now, I want to run back. I want to run back to the rod. I want to run back to the budding rod that's in my life. And I want to stand here and hold this rod of testimony in the presence of my God. And I want to say, Lord, I want to make sure that I have this in my ark of testimony. I don't want to ever again not trust you that you can't turn dead things and bring them back to life. No, sir, because I've got a rod. I've got a rod in my testimony. I've got a rod in my testimony. 
How do you know it? Because he's done it for us. When things seem dead and hopeless, God is still able. He can bring, he can bring fruit. He can bring things from, from things that were dead in your life. It's a dream that's withered. It's, a, it's an old dream. It's an old thing in your life that God can bring back to life. You need to run back to the ark and say, God, I'm not giving up. It's a marriage. It's a business. It's a career. It's a ministry. But I'm not giving up. I'm running back. I'm gonna... Some of us are leaving the ark of testimony and I'm back room and you're not going and getting your ark of testimony and God said you got to have a marker when I've done it before I can do it again but you got to run back you got to get your ark of testimony get it out and praise your God number 1710 and the Lord said to Moses bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony when I read this I almost jumped out of my chair and the Lord said to Moses, one of the times, I, look, he didn't call it a, a covenant, Ark of the Covenant here. He actually called it a testimony. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to keep as a sign. The rest of the scripture says to shut up the rebels and all the murmuring. That every time, every time they see that, every time they see that, they know, oh, God came through. He always does. I just know, do you have a rod that is budding in your life of testimony? If you do, I want you to stand right now. You have a moment where something was dead and came back to life. You don't have to stand if it's not true in your life. Only if you know you had a moment and you can go back there in your spirit, I want you to stand. We don't think of less of you if you don't. But if you have a moment, I want you to do that. Hallelujah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That doesn't mean that people are sitting any less. We're going to pray about that here in a minute. But if you're standing, I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to tell him what that is. And you're going to feel the presence of God right there in the moment. He's going to confirm this word that I'm preaching to you today. He's going to, you're going to feel his presence as you begin to tell him, Lord, I remember when you came through for me. What you did, how you brought life. Come on, y'all, y'all mighty quiet today. Tell him about it out loud. He's, be proud of it. Be proud of it. The Lord came through. The Lord spoke. He brought something, a dream, a career, something back to life. He brought it back to life for you. Now somebody out loud just shout, Jesus, thank you for my testimony. Thank you for my testimony. There's the presence of God. What did the ark represent? The presence of God. You always feel the presence of God when you go back to your ark of testimony and open it up and thank God for it. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? You may be seated. A few years ago, a few years ago, I had a guy walk in this church. We were actually still in this building many moons ago. And I was preaching in here one Sunday, and I'll never forget it was laid out different than this. I was up here, and, but a gentleman walked in the back door over there, and he sat in the back row. His name was J.R. McIntyre. J.R. was a preacher that his ministry had took, taken a tough dive. It was a tough situation, and, and, and I never even shared it all with this church, and, but, but J.R.'s ministry... Man, it just looked dead. I'm just going to remember. I, I remember. I remember sitting in my office at that time, and Jr. Remember like it yesterday, and Jr. Standing, said, "Pastor, it's all over. I'll, I'll never. I'll never preach the gospel again. I, I, I've dried up. People don't trust me. All these different things. I heard all of that, and I kept looking at Jr. And I kept saying, Jr. Something's going to live again. And he looked at me, and he tried to believe it with me, and he'd say, "Thank you, Pastor." 
But I watched him, and all of a sudden, I started seeing things change in his life. And I started seeing a blossom. Many of you don't know him. This was many years ago. I started seeing a blossom come out and, and then a bud. And then here comes the almond. And it was the sweet side of the almond. And I watched, I watched as J.R. began to produce some things. And something different was starting to come out of his life. This morning, J.R. pastors a church in Mississippi, and he's got people sitting out in the crowd, and he's preaching the love of God and the grace of God and the wonders of God. You know why? That is his moment when the Arad started budding. And so every time he gets to thinking that God's not going to come through in his situation, he can always go back. I once was dead, but I came back to life, and I can worship God, and he can carry me through my now. Maybe the guy's name was Joe Lowry. He stepped in this building. You don't know the story, but he walked in here hurt and broken, him and his family. They said here they were pastors. They said, we can't do it anymore. And they walked away from it and sat in this pew. God miraculously led them to hear. They didn't know anything about us. I met him for the first time right there in that awning. And I said, dude, we're happy to have you. I love it. And he came in this church broken, discouraged. I remember lunch after lunch after lunch of seeing his face and he's downtrodden and he's broken. It's dead. It's dry. But all of a sudden, he, hang, he hung in and he stayed faithful. And, and all of a sudden, I started seeing a bud come out. And an almond formed. And all of a sudden, now, now Joe Lowry, if you ask him, there's an Aaron's rod and his ark of testimony. I spoke with him this week in a video chat, encouraging and ministering to a few ministers. Uh, uh, we, we have a monthly video chat. And I listened to Joe say, Pastor, this past month, we had 100 people in our startup church praising and magnifying God. <laughs> Michael and Carmen Scobie, I'll never forget sitting in Cracker Barrel before the day we were hiring him. And he said, Pastor, I just need a safe place. I've been hurt and bruised. I've been struggling. I don't know where we're going to be. We need, need a safe place. And I said, come on, man. We're not going to hurt you here. This is going to be a safe place. And he walked in this church. And Michael, I'll tell you today, Parkway Life did a miracles in his life through the power of what Jesus Christ can do through the church of the living God. And this morning, he's preaching the gospel in Mississippi and magnifying God, telling other people, run back to your rod, run back to your rod, run back to your testimony. Sean Cass, come here, Sean. I ate at Panera Bread with him and his wife this week. And he looked at me, and this is this week, this week. And he said, let me tell you something, Pastor. I absolutely do not know where I would be had it not been for Parkway. It's not Parkway in itself, it's the power of God in this church. Do you understand that? I'm not trying to brag on the name. I'm trying to brag. And, 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 it's, and, it's, and maybe we all played a part in it, but all the glory goes to God. Amen? But the fact of the matter is, he said, I don't know where I'd be had it not been for, for what the Lord has done for me. And he told me again after service, after the first service, he told me again, Pastor, you would tell the truth. I don't know where I'd be, but I can tell you God's blessing, God's ministering, God's doing a work. There's a bud coming. There's an almond coming. Go back to your testimony. He He's faithful. He brings dead things back to life. Somebody shout hallelujah. (laughs) 
I'm not just speaking of them. I'm speaking of me. I'm speaking of you. I'm a normal man. I put my, my blue jeans on just like you. I put my shirt on just like you. I think thoughts sometimes that I shouldn't think. I, I do things that I wish I wouldn't have done. I say things. I w- Oh, if you can't follow that, maybe you need to find another pastor. But this is where the real rubber meets the road. We are people. And I get, I get discouraged. I get discouraged. My smile turns into a frown. My loud voice turns into a whimper. And every once in a while, God says, Nathan Keeney, run back to your testimony. And I run back to a moment in my life that God changed me. He brought dead back to life and he inspires praise. And I feel the presence of God again in that moment. And he takes me through again. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ain't nobody like Jesus. Ain't nobody like Jesus. God's speaking to somebody. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. He's speaking to people in this room. He's speaking to people in this room today. He's speaking. I know I'm hollering like a banshee. Whatever that is. Probably just offended somebody. But don't start murmuring. What else is in your Ark of Testimony? There's a tablet. There's a tablet. The tablet contained the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments for his people. And you say, man, I can kind of get why that's in the Ark. No, 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 you, you hadn't heard the best. So God, Mo, Mo, Moses is up on this mountain and he's like having this, moment I mean literally he comes off and it's like his face is glowing the people are like eh. I mean it's a cool moment it's like it's like really cool but he comes off and he looks down the valley and he's holding ten commandments that God with his finger inscribed the words of the ten commandments pretty powerful stuff and he's holding the ten commandments and he looks down and they're serving and worshiping false gods and it ticks I'm using a southeast Texas term ticks mo off it ticked God off too. I'm just telling. God said, I'm ready to kill him. Then Moses says, well, well, maybe we need to work on this, Lord. But Moses gets so mad that he takes the Ten Commandments, this precious tablet, and throws it on the ground and the stone busts in a gazillion pieces so much that it can't be recovered. It can't be put back together. <laughs> And Mo looks at God going, you know, can you imagine like, uh-oh. And God says in Deuteronomy 10, 3, At that time the Lord said to me, Chisel out a stone tablet like the first one. Somebody say like the first one. Come up to me on the mountain. Notice this. Once Again, somebody say, once again. The Lord wrote the Ten Commandments. He did it again, right? He wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the same words. The Lord has spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you were assembled at the foot of the mountain. Then I turned and came down the mountain. I had my second, my second set. And I came down. 
Then I turned and came down the mountain and placed the tablets in the ark of the covenant which I had made just as the Lord commanded me. And the tablets are still in the ark. (laughs) But the fact that they were in the ark was proof. And it was a symbolic that God gave his people a second chance. Because he's a second chance God. He's a third chance. He's a fourth chance. Some of you are going, I hope he's like 27,000 chance. <laughs> he's a 27,000 chance. <laughs> Even this Old Testament. Looked down in mercy and said, I'm going to give them. I don't care what you've done. You broke my heart, but I don't care what you've done. I'm a God of second chances. And I ask you today, very point blank, do you have a tablet in your testimony? A moment when you've given up on God. A moment when you doubted his existence. A moment when you thought, I don't even know if there is a God. And if there is, I don't even know if he loves me. (laughs) And God says, "Put, put that second chance tablet so that the generations after know, after them know, that your kids know when they want to give up, when they want to quit, when they think they have made the ultimate failure. failure. Let them, when they broke the commandments, let them understand that I gave them a second chance. And there's still hope. Aren't you glad that God gave you a second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it may be? Now let me ask you a question. Do you think he's worthy to stand up and praise him at the altar of your testimony and say, thank you, God, and go back and tell him when it was? I'm not going to, if that fits you, if it fits you, you wear the shoe. Come on. Hallelujah. Let a praise come out of you, thanking your God, thanking your God. Thanking your God. Oh, church, come on, let it bellow out of you. The praises to God. When you've given up, make sure, come on, I know all of us, I guarantee it fits every one of us that we failed, that we messed up, that we made a mistake, that we had a failure. We had a moment when we didn't trust and God says, I'm going to give you a second chance. You've got that moment in your life and you know it. And if you feel that today, just praise him, thanking him, magnifying him. God, thank you. Thank you that there's a tablet in my testimony of the goodness and grace of your mercy that you didn't destroy me, you didn't kill me, but you gave me another chance. (laughs) Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. When I think, you don't have to play this, I'm just going to sing it. When I think of the goodness of Jesus (laughs) and all he has, what? Done for me. My soul. My soul always produces praise at the moment when I remember what he's done for me. 
My soul cries out. Praise God for saving me. (laughs) I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me. Listen to this. My soul cries out, hallelujah, praise God for saving me. Can you love him right now? I feel, feel somebody's putting something in your testimony, in your ark of testimony. Man, I feel the spirit in this room very strong. First time guest, I'm thankful that you are here and I want you to feel something. Maybe this is your moment, like when you're going, something's coming back to life. I feel like saying that for somebody. Today may be your day that you're going, it's happening. Like as you're preaching, I feel a bud. I feel something coming out of my life. I didn't even know it was there. Dude, this is, this is your moment. This is your day. Put that rod put that rod in your testimony and every time you think there's not a God run back to that and say God bring me back to life again isn't that unique that the ark represents the presence of God what's in the ark all my testimonies when I remember my testimony I'm in his presence some of you hadn't felt the presence of God lately you hadn't run back to your testimony is that a word for you I close with three quick things and I'm going to hit them quick and run. And that is this. The Israelites are coming across and they come up to the Jordan and just on the other side of the Jordan is the promised land. They're this close, just just right like that. And they're making up their mind, are we going to stay on this side of the Jordan because the Jordan is floodwaters. It's scary. Like we have to walk across this to get to the promised land. It's a really crazy moment. And they get there and they're going, oh God, but look what happens. This got me jazzed up, Terry. I said, somebody get that ark. Somebody grab hold of my testimony because I'm not going across this without a testimony that he's done this before. And they get the ark, read the scriptures. They get the ark and they put it on the backs of the priest and the priest step in the water and the Bible says when their heel touched the water and they had the ark on their shoulders the Jordan dried up and they walked across the Jordan to the other side I gotta tell somebody today you can't walk across floodwaters in your life troublesome times in your life and not go back and get your testimony you need your testimony to take you through what you're currently facing in life. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the first thing. The second thing is they come to the walls of Jericho. I preached about it last week. They come to the walls of Jericho. Well, we could take off walking around this wall. Nah, not today. Those walls are too big. I need a testimony. 
that God can do this, Ronald. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to get the ark. And I'm going to get my testimony and I'm going to put it on my shoulders. And they, every day they carried their testimony. And while they're carrying the testimony, I believe inside of them, like I preached last week, the wall may have been crying out, you can't do this. But the testimony cries back to them. He's done it once. He'll do it again. He coming through, baby. <laughs> and the walls come tumbling down and they conquer the land. The third thing, and then we're going to praise God and shout together. Listen to this. The third thing is the Ark of the Covenant, as I preached a few minutes ago, is in heaven. <laughs> it's in heaven. It's in heaven. What is going to help you get from where you are in this life to this heavenly reward that you're trying to get to? There's a lot of things we could talk about, but some of the key factors is, is you're going to have to, in the down times, in the downtrodden, in the broken moments, you're going to have to pick up your testimony and carry it with you to your heavenly reward. It's going to be what helps get you through to the other side. Turn around to somebody and say, we're going to heaven together. But I'm taking my testimony. I'm taking my testimony. What are you going to do with your testimony? What's in your testimony?